reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has yet to set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 145. I will magnify you, O God, my King, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy to be praised. There is no end of his greatness. As for me, I will be talking of the glorious splendor of your majesty and of all your wondrous works. The remembrance of your abundant goodness shall they proclaim, and they shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is loving to everyone, and His mercy is over all His works. All your works praise you, O Lord, and your faithful servants give thanks to you. They speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all the ages. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Part of my life. Thank you. Uh, this really spoke to my heart. The Holy Spirit, after reading it a hundred times, finally got through. So the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will 
All things have been handed over to to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Oh, I don't need it. I'm just going to work from right here if that's all right. A little less formal today. Well, good morning. Uh, for those of you that I have not met yet, my name is Mike Murphy. I'm a priest at All Saints uh, Church. I'm over here helping cover for Mark while he's on a driving vacation across about two-thirds of America, it sounded like. Uh, God bless him. I don't know how you take a carload of kids in the heat of the summer and load up and decide you're going to do 2,500 miles and call that a vacation, but that's what he did, so we, we will continue to pray for him. What I'd like to do this morning is share with you uh, some thoughts from, from this gospel passage, but I want to back up a little bit because really where we are in Matthew's gospel is a very interesting place. Jesus, uh, chapters 10 and 11 sort of go together. I can't separate them. Uh, they're all really about one thing. They're about sending. They're about sending the 12 and the instruction to the 12 and then the discourse that Jesus has with various other people as he begins to move back into to the 12 returning and back into his more full-time ministry of preaching and teaching and going around and healing. Chapter 10, verse 1, says, Jesus called the twelve together and gave them authority. And he sent them out. Now, just stop there for one second. Because here's, here's what happens. Jesus called the disciples, correct? I mean, that's the, the clear understanding of Scripture. He gave them authority and he sends them out. He says, here's what I want you to do. And we'll get to, to some of the instructions in just a minute. Here's what I want you to watch, though. They went from being disciples to being apostles in that very moment. They went from being someone that, that was a, an observer to a full-on participant. They went from someone that was always just watching and learning to someone that was now saying, I've seen you do it. I've tried it myself. Now I'm going to go do it alone. I've done it with you. Now I'll go do it alone. That's important. That's how most of us learn, isn't it? You know, we watch somebody do it, they tell us how to do it, then we do it with them, and then we do it by ourselves. In essence, that's what Jesus is, is telling his disciples, his, now his apostles, is that this is what I want you to do. And the instructions are very clear. We always think, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. I mean, that's kind of where our mind goes automatically, I think. You know, the first thing he always says is, Make sure that you tell them one thing, that the kingdom of God has come near to them. See, for Jesus, that was always the most important thing, is that bringing heaven down, saying we're going to create, when you go out and when you do this, when you perform these miracles that, that people are going to call them, of healing and, and restoration, freedom, that's when heaven gets brought near to earth. That's when we create thin spaces between ourselves and our existence and, and, and the spiritual realm. 
And that's important for us to, to recognize and important for us to realize that that's what we can do. We have been given that same authority. That Jesus gives them the authority and says, go. And he's very, very intentional in his instructions to them. He says, do not go to the Gentiles. This is in, in 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 5. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and you will preach this message that the kingdom of God is near to you. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. See, proclamation was the first order of business. When the twelve went, they could have just said, well, here's what Jesus did. If you're sick, come over here and sit down. And I think, did he lay his right hand or his left hand? I don't really remember. I'm not sure it matters. But, but uh, we'll, just do what, we'll just do as best we can remember. The first thing he says is, remember what I taught you. Remember the heart of the gospel. Remember the heart of my message. Remember why I'm actually here. I'm here to, to at, at the insistence, really, of the Father to say, to you, heaven is drawing very near to you. And all the possibilities of heaven are now open to you. And they're available to you. And he goes on, and I'm not going to pretend to read through all of 10 and all of 11, but there's some important passages in here that I do want to touch on before we get to our gospel reading today. Jesus talks about that as the, as the uh, disciples go out, as the apostles go out, he tells them something very important. He says, whoever receives you receives me, and who receives me receives the one who sent me. Now this echoes exactly what was just read by Chuck in the gospel. It also echoes some other things. It kind of echoes the Beatitudes. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you who suffer. There's this sense of, of presence, of blessing, of God saying, I am with you in all of this. If you receive me, you've received the Father. If you receive the Father, you receive the fullness of the Father. You receive the heart of the Father. And Jesus leaves as, as the... Uh, disciples go about their, their journeys uh, two by two. Jesus leaves and, and he's uh, confronted by some of John the Baptist's disciples who come to him and ask the, the, I think, very simple and straightforward question. Are you the one? Because we have heard now that you have sent these, these 12 out. So what does that mean? Are we to wait? Or are you the one? What, what, does, what do you think Jesus says? Go back and tell him what? Go back and tell John that this is what you see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are healed. The dead are raised. And good news is preached to the poor. Good news is preached to the poor. And then he goes on to, to ask a question. Jesus is really always doing that. And it's kind of irritating, I think, at some, some level. He's always asking you these questions that, are, that go deeply personal. They sound on the surface just like just an ordinary question. But they sort of pierce your heart when you think about having to try to answer them. And he says, well, 
to the people that were talking about his explanation to John's disciples, what did you expect? What did you expect? You've heard about this guy. He's out in the wilderness. He's, he's kind, of, kind of crazy. Uh, eats locusts and wild honey and, and doesn't hang around with anybody much and preaches a gospel of repentance. He's, he's hellfire and brimstone. Uh, he's, he's all the things, really, that, that Jesus isn't, in a sense. But Jesus says, what did you expect? Did you expect to, to see somebody in fine clothes, uh, like in the king's court? Because that's not what you got. Did you expect to see just a, just a prophet? Because that's not what you got. What did you expect? And then he turns that around to, to people and he says, by the way, when you look at me, what did you expect? Did you expect someone to come with armies behind them, with swords drawn, running the Romans out of, out of uh, Israel, restoring the, the temple? Is that what you expected? Because see, now what you're saying about me is I'm a drunkard and a, and a, and a glutton. John was a, was a prophet, and you didn't much like his message. And I come with a message of peace, bringing healing, restoration, freedom. You don't much like that message either. What did you expect? Sometimes that's a hard question for us to answer. What did we expect? John came neither eating nor drinking but they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. That almost sounds like a throwaway line, but I'll promise you there's no throwaway lines in Scripture, and Jesus never uttered a throwaway line in his life. Wisdom is proved right by her actions. I think what Jesus is looking past as he goes back, again, think about the Beatitudes for a minute, about all the blessings that he pronounces on people. Think about, for a second, the gospel reading that we just had. And Jesus says, wisdom is full of attributes like grace, justice, mercy, See, this is where an element of grace begins to get introduced into, into this whole gospel message. John's still preaching repentance, or was, until he was imprisoned. People are still being baptized. People are still being brought to faith. But Jesus says there's, there's something here that needs to begin to happen in your heart. It's this thing called unattainable grace. It only comes through me. I make it possible. The reason that I sent messengers, the reason that I sent people to do signs and wonders, and the reason that I, that I want them to do signs and wonders is so that you will believe. So that people in these towns and villages everywhere will believe that the Son of Man has authority to do all these things. Because I am with the Father and I am in the Father. And the Father is in me. Jesus says, no one knows the Father but me. And the Son only does what He sees the Father doing. You know, would that we were that way. 
I mean, I can't tell you how many times that I've sat together in a group of very well-meaning people, and we get task-oriented real quick, and we get together, and we start pulling out all these ideas, and uh, several hours later, somebody says, well, why don't we pray and ask God to bless this? And it would have been a lot easier to say, Lord, I think you might be up to something. If you are, would you like for us to participate? And if so, how? Ask his blessing at the front end, not the back end. That's hard for us. I mean, because we tend to want to dive in head first and just go, yeah, but see, I've read all this stuff and I, I know all these passages by heart and they really mean a lot to me and it's important and I've got a stack of good ideas about four feet tall I've just been waiting to share with people. Ask his blessing first. No one... Jesus says, I do nothing except what the Father asks of me and what I see Him doing. Then we get into the Gospel reading for today. And He says, All things have been committed to me by the Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. My yoke is is easy, my burden is light. When you, when you get to, to a passage like this, if, when I get to them, I, I always put little marks um, beside these passages. And those marks are to make me stop and not read on any further. They're just make me sit there and, and sort of rest for a minute uh, in here and think about this and think about really what that's saying. And then try to personalize it in a way that, that, that makes it, to me, sound more like God talking to me and not just me reading something out of, out of uh, even the Bible. But what does it mean for us? You know, a friend of mine used to say, this is, this is the part where you, you need to take the hay down from the loft and, and put it down so the cattle can eat it. So sometimes we need to take all these principles, these precepts, we need to say, well, what, what does that mean for us? How, do we, how does this work itself out in the life of, of St. Patrick's Church? How does it work out in, in your life? Well, one of the things that I think um, we're, we're trying to accomplish here, I know Mark is, we are at All Saints, uh, same at St. Bart's, same in our communities of, of faith that we have had the benefit to be part of scattered around the country is what we're trying to do is, is something that I call be Acts 2 churches doing Acts 6 ministries. Now, what does that mean? I mean, you're pretty familiar with Acts 2, right? Pentecost, tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit comes, the church gets empowered. Everybody calls it the start of the church. But what was going on? There was an amazing exhibit of pure, unadulterated Holy Spirit power that came on the church in a remarkable way. The church began to be identified by two or three hallmarks. It was identified by power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power for the disciples to do what Jesus did, to heal people, to pronounce freedom, to look at people and say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Another hallmark was gathering. All of a sudden, people were very attracted to the message that was being preached. 
Another hallmark was a sense of, of intense community. The people stayed together and prayed. They came together, they waited, they prayed together, and they, they simply said, Lord, we are sitting here waiting. When you move, we'll move. Prayer was at the very heart, the very center of all that they did. It was just kind of one piece of cloth that got woven through all of these things that were going on in the early church. Now, they were busy. They kept worshiping in the temples. Uh, a lot of things were going on. Uh, had some little minor rebellions raise their head. You remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Uh, we won't go into that one, but it's kind of interesting to see the feet of your dead wife laying there and you're still lying to the Holy Spirit, but that's up to you, I guess. But what the church is, is, is doing, what we're becoming, is moving into that Acts 2 type church. We're, we're saying, Lord, we accept that as a given. We accept that as, as something that would be just normative Christianity. And then in Acts chapter 6, what do we see the church doing? The church is being mobilized. This is where they, they call together the deacons. This is where they call together uh, Stephen and the rest of that group and say, we're, we're, our job is to preach the gospel. Our job is to tell people about the things that we saw Jesus do and to remember the things that he said. Your job is to feed the widows and orphans, to care for them, to take all of, these, all of this with you. And, they, and it's interesting how they do that. They say, find people that are already filled with the Spirit. Don't just go pick your friends. Go find people that are already exhibiting the power of God in their lives, that are already doing things. And then bring them to us, and then we're going to do what the church is now done for ages. We're going to lay hands on them. We're going to act apostolically. We're going to release them. We're going to do very much the same thing here that Jesus did in, in chapter 10, verse 1. I give you authority, now go. They're going to lay hands on them, say, this is your authority, operate under it, now go. Power, authority, the word being preached, the word being proclaimed, lives being saved, freedom being pronounced over people. This passage is, is, as Chuck said, it is rich and it is full. Jesus ends it by saying, you know, this burden is not too heavy for you, by the way. It's not the law. It's not something that, that a bunch of scribes and Pharisees have laid on you. This is simply allowing yourself to surrender yourself enough to the heart of the Father to say, I accept it. I'll just open my hands and do the one thing that I can do. And say, Lord, all I've got to offer you is right here. And I ask that you take it and I ask that you multiply it for the purposes of building your kingdom, for your name being glorified, for the word being preached, souls being saved, lives being blessed. Amen.